0: Everyone on the left seems awfully disappointed about Dominion accepting a settlement in the Fox lawsuit. Should they be? Republicans in the House took a field trip to New York City, taking the fight against Bragg right to his doorstep. Conservatives have called for a boycott of Bud Light because the company sent a trans person some beer. This is Majority 54.
1: Well, Jason, when we talked about this Dominion case, we... I think we predicted that this would be settled in part because mm-hmm. the discovery would be so hard for Fox News. The, the idea that they would put Tucker Carlson and these other folks up on the stand on, you know, under penalty of perjury to describe how they were covering the 2020 election, there's almost no price they wouldn't pay to avoid that. And it turns out the price they did wind up paying is $787.5 million plus some admissions that uh, certain claims that they made were uh, not true. And so you you tease that the, the left is upset at this. See, given that I don't spend a lot of time on the Twitter, is that what's going on? Are people freaking out about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, you have people being like, why did they cave? And people keep saying, why did Dominion cave? And I'm like, right. okay, slow down with the talk of caving, all right? like, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, how many companies, individuals, whatever, out there over the last generation have been maligned defamed slandered libeled by fox news and not gone the distance right Right. like not actually so like let's let's slow down on the whole like dominion cave because they didn't take this to trial i mean there are a few things at play here right like this is why a week ago you and i were like they are obviously about to settle right because not only uh was all additional dirty laundry about to get um, aired and wall-to-wall coverage on every other network. But in addition to that, like they were clearly about to lose. Like yeah. they were gonna settle because I believe that the I believe Dominion was actually asking for like 1.5
1: billion. I think yeah. Meaning the, you the, mean the they being Fox was about to lose. Fox yeah. was about to yeah. lose,
0: right? Yeah. Fox was about to get their clock cleaned. And when you're about to get your clock cleaned. You have a literal fiduciary, like legal responsibility to your shareholders to settle the claim. Now, on the other side of it, what people forget is Dominion is not like just one individual. It's not like it's not somebody doing a a hunger strike. It is a company. And they, too, they, too, had a fiduciary obligation to take a reasonable settlement because they have an obligation to to their shareholders. Yeah,
1: it, yeah, it's not Rachel Maddow over there running Dominion. The the goal there right. is to make money. Like, I, I, what what do people really know about Dominion? They're a company, and they're going to maximize their payout. And once you start getting it to the hundreds of millions range, you know, call it caving. I mean, I hope one day I can cave to seven hundred eighty seven well, million dollars. Like,
0: well, let's let's remember when we think of it as caving that like the entire premise of the way the damages were structured for the the claim in the suit like any other suit is it's based on lost economic opportunity or right. or, or or damage. So
1: and wasn't this was, a huge company. And wasn't a huge company.
0: Yeah. Right. And but Dominion There's was looking limit. at it saying they had what, I think 30 some percent of the market when it comes to uh this election technology, and that they were had every anticipation that they were going to expand their market share, which means they were valuing their future earnings in the billions. And so Dominion, I think, reasonably was saying this amount of money that we're suing for is the amount of money that we are going to lose out on because of the lies that were that were spread by Fox. So, you know, when people say, oh, they grabbed the money, well, remember in the first place what dominion wanted to do was be in the election administration business and fox has pretty well robbed them of that ability right so they're trying to you know get back what they presumably were investing or expected to make over the now next they're in the, years. the
1: printing dollars business uh <laughs> <laughs> this lawsuit is well they, they're it's not funny when you, be see the, you see the lawyers elections. coming from the courthouse yesterday the photo made me laugh i mean they were they were excited now they did for well. the people who want to see fox news pay Obviously, the seven hundred seven is a good start, but this is only the beginning here. There's a $2.7 billion lawsuit by Smartmatic, very similar lawsuit to the Dominion case, which uh, survived the motion to dismiss in February. So That case is thriving and ready to roll, could see something similar there. There's a shareholder lawsuit against Fox News shareholders who were... You know, basically saying that they breached some kind of fiduciary duty um, through allowing this to happen in the first place. There are all sorts of other related cases, including that employee that we talked about who claimed that she was coerced into perjuring herself previously. So there's a lot still to happen and you could still see Tucker Carlson and others under oath if those cases go far enough. And And you also have to keep your perspective in check here. Like, if you, were, if you thought this would be the end of Fox News, that was just never in the cards. Like this right. is just a weakening of a giant. And right now, as we described previously in other segments, Fox News is taking it from the left and from the right right now. So they've always been taking it from the left, but this is like a, a huge blow to Fox News. They're also taking it from the right because they've got InfoWars and all these other crazy companies uh, who are stealing their market share. Uh, and then you've also got like, just their audience in general, this is just a blow to their credibility. Now, like, is is grandpa now all of a sudden going to turn off Fox News because of this? You might not even know about it, but that's why you're majority 54 listeners. Like you're you're out there to go tell grandpa about this. And even if it doesn't make him turn it off today, it, you can plant the seed in the back of his head as he watches coverage in the future. He, here's what I
0: feel like nobody is really, for the most part, addressing about this, because everybody's focused on did Fox News get hurt enough financially, right? And, and you see a lot of numbers thrown out there like, you know, their annual revenue is this many billions and they only paid this much. Okay, that's all fine, all right? But my question is a different one. And that is, how does this affect the industry of right-wing journalism going forward. Yes. How does this affect the behavior at Fox News? How does it affect the behavior and the editorial decisions that are made at the Newsmaxes and the One Whatever Nation or whatever they're called going forward? Because the reason I say that, Ravi, is that's that's the purpose of lawsuits like right. this. That's the role it's that a, they play in American society.
1: To use a... A metaphor from your favorite sport—it's a brushback pitch in many ways. Right. You know?
0: Absolutely, it, it is a it is a lesson learned, right? And 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 when there's a context for this in everyday life that people don't really think about, it, it's like when you uh, when you go to get like a medical procedure and they tell you all the different um, side effects, but then they say. You know, but that's like less than 1% of people. But, but, and you're like, why did they spend all this? Why did I have to sign all this stuff? And then somebody <laughs> says, you know, because of lawyers. True, but it's because of lawyers who have sued when those weren't the rules, right? When the rules were they didn't have to tell you. And then right. it changes the behavior of an industry over time. And that's not done through legislation because frankly, Congress wouldn't have an interest in doing it because of powerful lobbies. But the other reason is, because legislative bodies can't keep up with the market in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. And so this is a situation where it begs the question for me, does Fox News now think twice, in some cases at least, before they put a crazy person on the air? That's question one, mm-hmm. which I think we should address. Question two is, what does it mean for the future of Fox News's actual current primetime or future lineup? Right? Because... You know, I'm sure Lauren Ingram and Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson have made a lot of money for Fox News. Right. But can Fox News look at them and say, they're worth 787.5 million dollars above replacement of the next white guy or right. gal who we can yeah. put on to say is, the same things.
1: Is it like did they make money for Fox News or could you put any random person on Fox News and they do well? It's I mean it's a question. Right? The sports I, analogy
0: here is a, a, a Chiefs running back, right? Is when yeah. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and Andy Reid is your is your coach. There's some great running backs that have come through Kansas City, but everybody does very well in an offensive yeah. scheme that's built that way. And I think you put a replacement level white guy or gal in that chair at 7 p.m. They're going to do pretty well on Fox News as long as they scare grandma and make grandpa mad. Right. That's the formula.
1: And it's important to put in perspective for everybody who cares about let's just focus on election denialism the attempt to steal the 2020 election. If I were to tell you that you know, this time later, we've got Joe Biden as president, we've got Trump under indictment and threat of indictment in Georgia for the very crimes of stealing the elections. It seems like it's, that's imminent. You got Fox News with almost a billion dollar judgment against us, uh, them. Uh, you have uh, Democrats outperforming the midterm elections, including nearly running the table against election denier, uh, attorneys, general uh, candidates, and secretaries of state. Uh, and you know holding the Senate and, and you netting one you'd be like whoa like this is a this is a, as good of a hand as I thought we would be holding in April of 2023 so you know everybody like let's settle down and like appreciate the hard work that it took to get to this point like this is this is a strong position to be in given the the strength of our enemies and how evil they are yeah, and
0: which brings me back to how people in my view should feel about Dominion, right? Because going back to all the folks who feel like Dominion caved, I mean no, Dominion fought the fight that a lot of a lot of entities haven't been willing to fight. And and they 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 took it pretty darn far. And yeah, yeah. I guess they could have gone all the way to trial, um, but what people forget is it's very expensive to sue Fox News, right? And and yeah. over time um you're gonna like think about how this could have gone right you go to trial look you're gonna go to trial uh you're gonna get a verdict all right and you're probably gonna get a pretty good award at trial you're also going to spend a ton of money getting there because fox news has an army of defense lawyers who are gonna make you wait on everything and are gonna run you know the like run the clock on everything but then at some point elements of that are going to go to appellate courts and you don't and and then at at some point, in the, and this is what's not known about most of these kind of lawsuits, is that at some point you have a settlement, even if you, you get settle a verdict, even
1: after judgment. This is right. like you remember great. You remember Rainmaker, the movie mm-hmm. with Matt Damon. Like I think oh, it was great. One benefit of my favorite Corporation. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not confusing it with a civil action, like the basically the Matt Damon character wins the judgment at the mm-hmm. end, but then the company essentially is like, they go like ban- declares they, they declare bankruptcy, bankruptcy. There is a you know so. It's tough, you know. There are certain states where this is better than others. Like I think in Florida, for instance, you have to put up like a certain huge percentage of the judgment right away, and I think then it goes right to the plaintiffs uh, in the event that you win, which is what I think happened in the Hulk Hogan Gawker case. But I think it's, which is why like Gawker like was killed overnight, but. Uh, by the way, that's a law that probably ain't gonna last like with Republicans in control of state. Like that, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, to me. I was
0: thinking the same thing, but that's yeah. but but to your point like even if you get a verdict then You know the defendant is gonna go to appeal aspects right. of it Meaning at some point you're gonna have a settlement because you're like at some point we'd like to be paid right. And so this was gonna happen at one point or another and you know, like so many other things uh, you know, everybody wants the Perry Mason moment, but we right. what they don't realize is you already got it. You got the text yeah. messages from Tucker Carlson. You got all these things, and you're going to have at least somewhat uh, of a of a change on the margins, probably, but yeah. in behavior by right wing media or a consciousness of this of this. I risk. think,
1: yeah, and everybody just like from a psychological perspective, you need to stop thinking about this like this fantasy, you know, fantasizing about this one moment. You know, mm-hmm. like this one moment where there's no Fox News anymore, anything like that. Like we are with, like if you're in this fight for our democracy, you're in it for the rest of your life. Like there is going to yeah. be no moment where all the bad guys are completely vanquished. Like our goal is to make them as weak as possible because they they won't fully go away. That will never happen. I wish that no. were the case, but they will never go away. And this is a yeah. case where we weaken them pretty significantly here through this case.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say they learned a lesson like the way, um, you know, Susan Collins would, but, but I think they it, yeah. it might, it might, it's not going to change their behavior to where they become, you know, born again, good guys. It's just, you know, you when you punch a bully in the face, the bully thinks twice before they pick on you the next time.
1: Yeah, I mean it creates a little chaos internally to Fox News too. Mm-hmm. Both the shareholders are giving them shit uh, and that lawsuit's going to just make their life hell for a long time. And you have some of these employees. Like you don't really imagine what the employee climate is. You know that you know that one case that we were talking about of the employee who said that she was coerced. Now that's going to change the dynamic internally too because the next time they try to pressure an employee to lie or to do something unscrupulous, they got to be careful because now this could there's a pattern of behavior here. So you could imagine the general counsel's office over there is probably a bit frazzled. I mean, these are all great things to think about. Like this is you know, I drove past Fox News today incidentally and I was just thinking about, wow, must be an interesting day over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Very interesting day.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about New York City, my home. Uh, I am in Lower Manhattan. You could see Alvin Bragg's office from the very seat that I'm in right now. And Jason, we had some we had some visitors uh, this past week. There were uh, members of the House Judiciary Committee traveled to 26 Federal Plaza, to which actually literally is right outside my window right here, um, to talk about victims of violent crime in Manhattan. Uh, And uh, this seemed to be like a shot at Bragg essentially saying, hey, crime is out of control in New York City. Bragg's focused on Trump. you should be focused on Manhattan. Honestly, like, thank you for being so concerned, GOP. (laughs) Like, I'm glad you're concerned about my well-being. As an outsider, Jason, what do you think, New York? Like, just watching all this, like, is it? Do you imagine me like wielding like a machete when I walk outside of my door to get from my office to my apartment? Is that is that the picture being painted in middle America right now? I guess
0: it is, but it's not how I feel because, you know, I've, because of work and everything uh, and family, I've spent a fair amount of time in New York uh, over the course of my life and over the last few years. And interestingly, um, <laughs> I just feel safer there. I mean, for one thing, um, you know, I live in Kansas City where- uh, violent crime is a, is a pretty serious issue um, and I also you know live in a part of the country where the gun laws are like pretty much it's pretty much the wild west and so you know like here like I don't honk at people on the road I don't <laughs> you know like I, I don't mess or like if somebody's mad at me I let them go right because it's yeah. like it ha- you know road rage incidents become homicides here you know a couple of times a year um, and so That's the world I'm coming from. Combined with when I'm in New York City, uh, there's a huge difference in police presence on the average corner than than here. You know, I live in a city where um, we are geographically a very large city. I think I want to say 219 square miles for about 500,000 people, Uh, and so it's very difficult for like police response times to be really fast um, in this city. Whereas when I'm in New York City and I'm like walking down the street, I just see cops uh, you know, just walking. And I right. know I, I want to be clear, like I know that doesn't make everyone feel safer. Um, and I, I respect that. But when it comes to just random street crime, I'm aware, as I would imagine any other uh criminal would be, that there is a large police presence, right? Yeah. And so that's not how I feel about New York, but it is how it is how I guess other people feel about it or talk about it.
1: Well, some stats here just to to make this clear to people, of the 10 most populous cities in America, New York is the third safest. And there are a lot of red cities on that list that are less safe than New York City, including Phoenix, San Antonio, Dallas, right? So, and look, I have no problems with those cities. Like, I, I think that a lot of these cities are safer than they've ever been. Just to put this in perspective, uh, in 2023, there were 9% fewer. Murders, 15% fewer shootouts, 29% fewer rapes, 10% fewer robberies, and 23% fewer burglaries than the year before. Now, Bragg has basically been in office for two years. Now, in 2022, those numbers were up, right? So you could call it a wash or you can call it whatever, like those statistics go either way. Uh, But if you compare it to when I was a kid, when I was seven years old, 1990, There were 503, and then those stats I just read were Manhattan. Uh, There were 503 murders in in Manhattan in 1990, 503, 2022, 78. In 1990, there were 689 rapes, 350 in 2022. In in 1990, there were 26,907 robberies in Manhattan, 438 in 2022. And so we're talking about a dramatic reduction in crime in Manhattan. And Bragg has only been DA for two years. And the complicated thing here is a lot of us have been critical of Bragg. Like I just did a podcast the other day, like some things Bragg could do differently. But that's an us conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like It's like if I make fun of my mom, right? You don't make fun Mm -hmm. of my mom. Like we can have a conversation about how to make New York safer, but I don't trust for a second that any of these people talking about it are genuine at all. And they weaponize anecdotes. And with a city of 10 million people, every second you can talk about Something that happened—it's like what somebody once said of Walmart. At this moment, somebody who's an employee of Walmart is committing some major crime. That's not Walmart's fault. That's mm-hmm. just how big they are, right? Like New York is that big that even as we get safer, there's going to be some crazy stuff that happens, you know, very close to your home because we're packed in so tight with each other.
0: You know, um, people who are new to listening to the show may not know this. That uh, so, my great uncle John Cander literally wrote the song new york new york and uh, he's a broadway composer and i'll put in a plug here for that show is the show new york new york his show is now just started in previews on broadway and it opens in i think about a week uh and he was on um the colbert show on uh late night or whatever with uh lin-manuel miranda who he wrote this show with and they asked him uh Stephen colbert asked him a week ago this question he said you know what because the show is new york new york what uh is it about new york that makes new york special and then my great uncle john who's 96 years old but if you met him you'd think he was 70 um had this great answer that he's been giving to us as a family for years and it was interesting because i've always heard him talk about this he loves new york he's from kansas city but has lived most of his life in new york and uh, and he gave this answer and people really responded to it and uh, and what he said was that what makes New York special to him is that he feels like New York is the greatest social experiment in human history because everybody in New York is uh, really from originally from somewhere else, and and also new york has everything and that it has every it has everybody's natural like ally and everybody's natural enemy right so the way john has always explained this to us is you know he's like i'm a jew my next door neighbor may be palestinian my you know and he just goes through everybody and he's like and we all live on top of each other he said and for the most part we don't kill each other Right. For the most part, we just walk by each other. We might say hi. We live in the same neighborhood We, you know, we shop at the same bodega, whatever it is. He's like, and I, as a kid from Kansas City, uh, continue to just, he says, just, you know, marvel at this. And so I guess when you ask me, like, what do I think? I mean, obviously, like, I am not a good, <laughs> I am not a good uh, person to poll, though i be from Kansas City. Uh, but that's sort of I think the best way to think about it, but that is not how the right wants us to think about New York. The right wants no. us to think about New York as scary, uh, and that's what this is about.
1: I know, and it's like the same people who call us snowflakes are like, mm-hmm. you know, sensationalizing New York City. Like, and it, I would say I was offended, but it's almost like, like I just don't look like New York. It's when you're this big and awesome people are going to take shots at you it's almost like a point of pride that people are think that this is some kind of symbolic battleground as if like my when i say i'm offended i'm i'm, I'm honestly not it's almost like i laugh at it cuz i don't think most people take this seriously every now and then i'll run into somebody I was at a buffalo bills game last year and a guy who's from Orchard Park very sincerely asked me like how i stay safe in new york city and i just pulled him aside and i was like hey man come out there like you'll see it's it's honestly not Buffalo is, by the way, and I love Buffalo, is way more dangerous than New York City. So I was like, like, look, man, just come. It's a beautiful place. People are generally really friend- – they're friendlier than people give us credit for. We're just a little different, you know, like how we are friendly. And, and we love outsiders. Like I've been literally right now, and I could say right now for certain that the shopkeepers here in my neighborhood, uh, the people who run restaurants – they love people outsiders as much as any small town in America. Like when you come here, they are so grateful for your presence, and they will roll out the red carpet for you.
0: Our consciousness about New York, particularly people uh, you know our age, is largely formed by the depiction of New York in the movies in the eighties and nineties. right? Yeah, like the seventies, like, was,
1: escape from New York, like right. Hellscape, like Warriors, which
0: was a different New York. I mean, you talked right. about the stats from a few minutes ago. I mean, like just. Just, like, let's name a few, like, Big. When he first moves to New York and he stays in that hotel and, like, people are being killed in the the room right next to him, it seems like, right? When Tom Hanks, his first night in New York. Uh, I don't know. Secret of My Success. Like, the movies that we grew up with, where every,
2: he he was in a tiny
0: space. Trading, I mean, yeah, like, everything is covered in roaches. And and that's, 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 you know, so there's air cover for this depiction, right? But when I think about it, I think about it this way. It's like, for me, um... It's kind of like the New York Yankees. Like I, as a person who's grown up and lived most of my life in Kansas City and I'm a Royals fan, I hate the New York Yankees. Like I I hate so many things about the New York Yankees. However, my cousins (laughs) who grew up in New York City, right, I don't feel like they shouldn't be Yankees fans. I'm like, when I meet somebody who is a Mets fan, I'm like, why? You grew up in New York. Like, you have every right to be a fan of the team that it's, wins it, over and over and over again.
1: For a long time, it balanced out the extreme anguish of being a Bills fan. Uh, but lately, it just, it's nothing can stomp out that kind of tragedy. But no, I hear you on that. Although, d- defense my, to Mets fans. My point
0: is, like, if I lived, if I were from New York, of course I'd be a Yankees fan. Yeah. And And so, like, I'm a guy from Kansas City who, like, I'm. I can't really picture myself. I love visiting New York. I love being with my family there. I can't really picture myself like moving there and raising a family there because that's not culturally how I've grown up. And like, right. I need to be able to see the sky several yeah, yeah. times a day. You know that. Yeah. But that. But it doesn't mean that I'm like. That's where I disconnect with some of the people here where I live because because I'm not like. What the hell's wrong with that place? I'm just like, yeah, that's probably not for me long term. But I. But I can appreciate
1: it. Yeah, and it's funny to me is like the right. They say they hate New York, but where's Fox News? Where are all these things? Where's Wall oh, Street? Yeah. Where are they all taking their money? New York has always had this history. It's it's always been an outlier for better or worse in our country's history, where it is this extreme capitalistic city. Alexander Hamilton, you know, the birth of modern finance. Uh, you know, it had a rather dark history of the Civil War because of its relationship with agrarian southern society. It's always been this place that is actually like, even in the worst possible ways, very connected to the rest of the country because it oh, is yeah. the seat of power in so many different ways. And so these people secretly love New York City. They come in and out of here. It's like Succession, the TV show. Like, they they, they say all they want about going down to Miami. No offense to Miami. I think it has a lot to offer. But they'll never truly leave here uh, because this is a place that you know, it, it just has such natural gifts to it. And, like, you know, the talent and the energy and all that will always attract people here. It attracted the House GOP. Now, okay, a couple of things here before we. I, I uh, forgot what we, we were, were even talking this. about. I know. We were just well, talking about, just, New like, York. Look, we okay. talk about how much we love New York. Now, look, yeah. a couple of things. I thought Democrats did some cool things here. Uh, so, uh, David Siciline, if I'm saying his name correctly, pointed out uh, the GOP hypocrisy on gun issues saying like hey you can talk about crime let's talk about guns let's go to that
3: video gun violence is now the leading cause of death of children in america and kills 40,000 americans a year yet my colleagues vote repeatedly against even the most common sense gun violence prevention measures they vote against getting assault weapons off the streets despite the previous assault weapons ban that drastically reduced gun violence they vote against alerting people to active shooters They vote against safe storage and red flag laws. They vote against community-based crime prevention programs. They vote against background checks. And the list goes on and on. And more than that, they brought us here today to attack a district attorney who has actually seen a decrease in violent crime during his tenure. All because he dared to hold Donald Trump accountable. So please spare me this suggestion that this is about a sincere interest in finding solutions to crime.
1: I mean, smart, well done, and this gets to the midterm election, Jason. We talked about this before, where voters were voting on crime according to exit polls and GOP, you know, were losing their minds about the red wave that was happening throughout that day. People were sending exit polls around, everybody was getting giddy over there. They're high-fiving each other in in RNC headquarters. Turns out a lot of people did vote on crime. They just had a different interpretation of what's causing that crime.
0: Yeah. And they're right. <laughs> you know, it's it's why it's why you got to be careful when you just look at polling because right. like it doesn't measure intensity. It doesn't measure interpretation. Uh, and so, yeah, they're they're trying to make New York City into this scary place. But what they're also just trying to do is they're just trying to run an interference action on the prosecution of Donald Trump. Right. Which right. you got to ask yourself, like. At some point, does Jim Jordan and the and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these folks, do they? I'm sure the answer is no, but do they ever one day look back at their career uh, in politics and go, man, I spent a lot of time flacking for one dude right. <laughs> because to take this hearing all the way to New York, when what you're really trying to do is just interfere with a criminal prosecution of one dude who happens to be the head of your party, that's. That's a pretty big step, and it's it's a use of a lot of political capital and a lot of energy.
1: Yeah, and you know, needless to say, Jim Jordan. Since you mentioned him, the homicide rate in Ohio, his home state, is forty nine percent higher than New York City's homicide rate. Uh, It's also eighty seven percent higher in Ohio than New York State's statewide rate. So, why don't you go figure that out? Like, you know, go 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 back to where you came from and figure that out. Now, okay. One more thing. Uh, uh, Eric Swalwell, uh, I'm not prone to shouting out Swalwell, uh, but this is actually pretty good stuff from him. Uh, I've been obsessed with this point about the GOP and the FBI, the defund the police elements of the GOP. And I I want more of this, what Swalwell did here in this hearing. Let's go to this video.
2: I'm disturbed about a recent tweet from the former president that says Republicans in Congress should defund the Department of Justice and the FBI. I'm also concerned about people on this committee and their own anti-police rhetoric. This is a defund the FBI campaign effort. Again, thousands of FBI agents who work hard every day to take bad guys off the streets. In fact, after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, someone armed to the teeth went to an FBI field office to try and kill FBI agents.
1: I mean, amen. FBI or police. Yeah. Period.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's so frustrating, man. They just don't care. <laughs> yeah. They just they just don't care. They're just like defund it. Defund this. Oh, defunding is bad. Like there's no it you know, I'm not even going to well, go you remember, down the whole road of like- Well, do well, hypocr- you remember, like who, they remember
1: don't what I did that day? Like, I think it was on this podcast where I went just, it was during the height mm-hmm. of the FBI stuff. And this is what I think politicians should do is just go print out the headlines from that day's FBI press release day. And mm-hmm. I read them out, if you remember, and it was like- You know, FBI stops sex trafficking ring in Arizona. FBI tracks down um, abductor in Oklahoma. FBI thwarts bombing of a post office. I mean, it's just like down the list. You're like, whoa, if there was no FBI, an insane amount of shit would happen in this country. And it's weird as a Democrat... To be like we're the ones who are defending law enforcement here, but it's true. Like these are government employees uh, who put their lives on the line and stop really bad things from happening. There are all sorts of reforms that we think should happen within law enforcement. We've long, you know, held that to be true. But that's why I call myself an anti-populist. Is like I don't want all these people, and there's people on the left to do this shit to like defund the FBI and all that kind of stuff. And obviously defund the police as part of that. I'm an institutionalist by and large. Like I I want our institutions to get better. Most more often than not, I don't want to tear them down, especially when you don't have a plan for what to replace them with.
0: Yeah, and the thing about this to me is like how selective the Republican brand of being pro law enforcement has become, right? Right. Because because for for generations, nobody questioned the idea that being pro uh, let's be honest, like pro-white law enforcement was synonymous with being pro-law enforcement right which right. is to say like if if you were in the 80s like you could just be like hey we gotta wage this war against drugs and we gotta crack down on gangs and we gotta and all that stuff and nobody would nope you know I don't think we just society outside of black activists like a, a lot of people just didn't understand yet like oh we should ask some deeper questions about this right and yeah. now that we do the republicans have not adjusted to that at all the republican uh, pro law enforcement uh you know like brand continues to just look exactly the same and that doesn't wash as well anymore like people are right. like oh but but sometimes police shoot people they shouldn't shoot and they seem to stop black people more than others so then when we are like but actually it's it's a good thing when you can't like steal wages from people like we should enforce those laws and and we should enforce gun laws then they don't look so pro-law enforcement and it and it definitely creates an opportunity for us to define ourselves as the party of competent and valuable law enforcement my example of this that got really undercovered over the last couple of years is how difficult it has been for the Biden administration to actually get a confirmation on somebody to lead uh, the ATF, Al- the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Um, in fact, their first nominee, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, even though I've, I've talked to the guy before, he, he had been the policy director at Giffords where I'm on the board. And so that was their first nominee and they couldn't get that person through. Because the Republicans in the Senate were like, well, we want to enforce laws, but not those laws. We don't actually want someone who... Because they always say, when it comes to gun laws, just enforce the laws we have. But then when you have somebody who wants to enforce the laws we have, when it comes to something like firearms, they're like, no, 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 we don't actually want that. And that, to me, is at the heart of the whole Jim Jordan Roadshow to New York. It's like, enforce the laws we like, not the laws that we break.
1: Is there any greater piece of evidence for what you're saying than governor abbott who's trying to pardon daniel perry oh god right after he in austin jury convicted him of murdering a protester like this shit is insane like it's brazen and absolutely appalling Uh, i mean as just
0: to piggyback off that i am watching very closely our i don't know what you call him friend of the pod slash nemesis and not at all friend josh Hawley as he responds to this ralph yarl situation here in kansas city which i was going to bring up in a few minutes and grab an oar. but for those who aren't familiar ralph yarl Yar- uh is a 16 year old young man uh, a, a young black man um here in in North Kansas City, uh, who uh, which is to say Kansas City, but just north of the river, um who knocked on the wrong door. He was sent uh, this past week um, by his aunt to pick up his siblings, and he was sent to I think, one hundred and fifteenth Terrace, and he knocked on the address, the same address but on one hundred and fifteenth street, so literally a block over, and a eighty four year old white man came to the door armed with a gun, and before Ralph knew what was going on, had shot Ralph in the head, and then while Ralph was on the ground, shot him in the arm, Ralph. Uh, got up, ran away, and was thankfully eventually helped by some neighbors um, and is is now recovering. and it took a couple of days unf- like weirdly, but that the man has been uh, arrested and 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 charged. Um, but I bring this up to say Josh Holly's initial reaction was a quote about how much crime there is in Missouri and how much crime there is in Kansas City. Now he said nobody should ever get shot for going to the wrong door. It's terrible. But you could tell in the way he waded carefully into this, that he wasn't going to take the side of this old white man who had committed what I believe is clearly a hate crime and hopefully will be charged that way. He was going to take his side, but he also wasn't going to go so far as to say something like, I hope justice is done. Right? Well, yeah, this is what they do. He's worried that that guy will become a folk hero like the guy in Texas and he will have to... Never mind the fact, Robbie, that he could actually help prevent that from happening as a leader in our state in the Republican Party by saying what this man did was wrong and he should be held accountable. He just was like, I'm not going to actually lead. See, I didn't see
1: Holly's response, but let me take a guess as to what he did. He was very general. Like when you said Mm -hmm. nobody should blank. like if this were the races were flipped he would be talking about people by their names. He'd be talking about oh, motives. Oh. He'd be talking about what are we going to do to prevent this in the future. You get highly specific when it comes a to crime things you run, care run about. amok. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That and 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 what he did is he left the door cracked open for him to become a defender of this man yeah, if he sure. needs to. And for sure. And so that I mean that that's part and parcel of this whole thing.
1: Well, okay. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, perhaps my favorite segment we have done in a long time. We're going to talk about the great Bud Light boycott of 2023. We're also going to talk about just how polarized our politics if we have time, like some new data that has some inconvenient truths about where we are as a society. All that and more when we come back. So sleep is incredibly important to me, which is why I love my Helix mattress so much. I'm actually about to move and I'm making sure that this is this is the most important thing I'm taking with me. And it's a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. And they have 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made for kids you could take the helix sleep quiz and find the perfect mattress for you in under two minutes i took the quiz and was paired with the midnight luxe mattress because i like a medium mattress and i sleep on my side uh, another reason why i love this so much is they support military first resp- responders teachers students by giving them a special discount on their site uh, and so you can go to helix Uh, They're offering a 20% off discount for all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash majority54. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we love Athletic Greens here. You might not know that I've been drinking Athletic Greens well before they ever sponsored this podcast. Now I take it twice a day. So I, I t- it takes the place of my first coffee in the morning uh, I drink it first thing in the morning before taking any coffee and now I drink it later in the day as well especially if I'm having a particularly intense day I know the weather's changing all around the country it's getting warmer out people are getting more active that's why it's more important than ever to get high quality uh, vitamins and nutrients and with uh, with Athletic Greens you get 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source ingredients and uh, this basically, I think of it not just as nutritional insurance, so it definitely takes the place of a lot of supplements I was taking before, but it's so much better than that because you absorb them differently. And so if you're looking for a simpler, more cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash majority. That's athleticgreens.com slash majority to check it out. All right. Now for a very, very fascinating story that I think is so revelatory of what's going on on the right right now. So in early April, Bud Light sent an influencer named Dylan Mulvaney a handful of beers. Mulvaney in turn posted a video of her self-dressed, like some kind of breakfast at Tiffany's character uh, using the beers that were sent to her and one of the cans featured her image And this is part of a paid sponsorship deal and promotion uh, where people can win $15,000 from Bud Light by sending in videos of themselves carrying a lot of beers. Just like run-of-the-mill stuff on social media, really. But Jason, the right had a problem with this. This somehow uh, led to a boycott of Bud Light. I don't even know where to begin here. There's a lot to unpack. Where do we want to start? Uh, Let's start with
0: how common influencer things like this are and what right. and and to me what i think is interesting about this is what that therefore means about how low of a level of a marketing decision this was in the first place right so it's right. not like this was like until i knew this part of the story uh which is that it was just you know part of an influencer thing i assumed based on the reaction which is what i saw before anything like i, I didn't see the initial video uh you know by this influencer i just saw the react the reactions and so i assumed that like bud light had made not that i would care if they did but but i assumed that bud light had made like this conscious high level corporate decision to target uh the trans market uh for selling beer right and now i know that it's just like you know i mean i don't know if you get these robbie like i get i get direct messages from from brands pretty regularly that are just like hey i see you have a lot of followers would you like some of our product and i i almost always say no because most of what i do in that area we just do as podcast sponsors or like right i have a few brands that like sponsor my my, my baseball team and so i'll i'll be an influencer for those but i don't i don't do any influencer deals personally um but i get a lot of these messages now i do occasionally get free cottage cheese because everybody knows I love cottage cheese and people will send me cottage cheese and then I'll, I'll say, hey, thanks for the cottage cheese and I'll put it on. But that's more of a joke. But anyway, uh, that just is fascinating to me that there's been this enormous reaction to something that was probably made by like just an account manager. Uh, yep. Or, or at most. But but like, or at, a, at their marketing firm.
1: And like, it's almost besides the point as you say, right? Like let's say they just, they featured a trans person. Yeah, even if
0: it had been highlighted, it wouldn't matter.
1: Yeah, like these people on the right try to talk out of both sides of their mouth. They're like, well, it's about sports and the unfairness of sports. It's about our children transitioning too early. And they'll be like, I got no problem with people being who they are. Well, if that's truly your position, then what (laughs) is the problem here? Right? What's the problem? Why is Kid Rock shooting cans of beer in a field and Travis Tritt, of all people, by the way, who the hell cares about Travis Tritt saying that he's banning the brand from his tour, right?
0: You know what's too bad, the Travis Tritt thing. Man, Travis Tritt, one of my favorite songs ever is, you know, it's a great day to be alive and Travis Tritt recorded it. But since since Travis Tritt is banning things, I should tell people, go out and find the Daryl Scott version of that because Daryl Scott wrote it and his version is actually much better and the lyrics are, as you would imagine, much deeper and more thoughtful. Uh, so just, <laughs> just a thought there.
1: Well, uh, let's take a look at the stock performance. Uh, Amherst Bush is doing just fine, so we'll put that on the screen here. Uh, seems to be unfazed by all of this. Now, so it's not; it hasn't been effective, but I think it reveals something really important. And the let's throw on the screen this back and forth between Caitlyn Jenner and Matt Walsh. And I think Walsh says something. Basically, Walsh is clapping back at Jenner. Who I guess wasn't aggressive enough, like, uh, didn't support this boycott, right? Now, Walsh tweets basically saying, uh, you know, taking issue with. Uh, what Jenner said. Jenner said, don't book, don't boycott them because they donate money to Republican politicians. <laughs> that's what Jenner said. So I mean, Matt Walsh yeah, said- he's paraphrasing it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Walsh says, that's the very essence of a squishy establishment argument. The fact that they have Republican customers, employees, and executives is what makes them especially vulnerable to this boycott, which is exactly why we should keep it up. Now, like, this is a tired argument, but I will never get tired of making it. I was told that we're the ones who engage in cancel culture. And now we're canceling a beer company because one of their customers is a trans person. That's essentially what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. This is this yeah. is you trying to push your morals down the throats literally of all of us.
0: It's also in the context of like, because, you know, the way they see it, it like Matt Walsh and others, they, they they see it. And I would, I guess, even though I vehemently disagree with it, I guess I can give some of them the benefit of the doubt that they really believe this, that they think they're defending children, right? right? Okay, I mean, I disagree, but that's what they think. But this is like, this this happened the same week as the shooting, the school shooting in Nashville. So like, that's when this started, right? So like, we won't defend children, uh by trying to make it so that kids who want to shoot other kids have a harder time getting guns we won't defend we won't protect them in those ways but we'll buy a lot of this beer we're mad at and then shoot it with bullets right um uh, obviously doesn't make any sense and it kind of makes you think maybe this isn't about that maybe this is about kid rock and matt walsh and views I, i i suspect
1: yeah, what's funny about this is it's not even a, a effective boycott because, you know, what are these people going to do? They're going to buy regular Bud. Like, they don't even know what right. Amherst busch owns. You know, Amherst busch probably, like, Coca-Cola owns everything. Like, probably mm-hmm. even, like, these like these fancy beers that you think are, like, from a, a local brewery or something, they probably own it all. So, chances are, whatever you're replacing with, it's going to be another Anheuser busch beer, which is probably why it's doing so well. Uh, let's go back. You know, you talk about Tennessee. I believe Matt Walsh is a resident of my former city of Nashville. Let's stick with him because he's like the the figure on the right when it comes to this sort of anti-trans crusade. Let's go to a video of him targeting what he views as the GOP establishment.
2: This is what the GOP establishment and its donor class don't understand, okay? We are sick and tired of this. We are sick and tired of watching as our culture is claimed piece by piece by madness and degeneracy. We are not okay with it. We are furious about it, in fact. And we aren't following your lead in the fight against it because you people aren't interested in fighting against it. Well, we're not going to sit around and, and wait for you to execute your master plan to win back the culture. You have no such plan. You're satisfied to let the culture crumble and decay as long as you can have a hand in ruling over the rubble. And that's how we got to this point in the first place where transgenderism is the sort of thing that even Bud Light feels it needs to promote. That's how the total denial of biological reality became man, mainstream and seized hold of our society. It happened because the conservative quote-unquote leadership tasked with defending our country against evils like gender ideology abdicated their responsibility. They gave up without putting up even the semblance of a struggle. They left it to the rest of us to fight this battle and so and so we are. You're asleep We're taking the wheel. It's that simple. And we don't care about Republican donors. Okay. The Republican donors are as worthless as the Republicans they donate to. So I don't give a damn about them. And you could scoff all you want, right? But this boycott matters. It does. It matters because it's obviously not just about one beer company. It's about making a statement. It's about achieving a victory. For truth and sanity it's about doing the things that you people won't do so step aside and let us handle it okay we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll do everything you'll do nothing and then later on when we get the win you can run campaign ads pretending that you did something as always and that's fine i don't even care about that i just want the win that's all that matters the so, w I have two questions yeah i have two questions
0: one how do you know you won? Like, what 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 constitutes the W? Does Bud Light cease to exist? Right. I mean, do they do they start putting a penis on the cans? Like, I don't understand yep. how you know you won. I
1: do have an answer to this. That's not as fun. Which gets back okay. to what we talked about with Fox. The win isn't killing the company. The win is making it making the next marketing team who wanted to yeah. feature a trans person more hesitant. And in that respect. This is evil and smart in their way. Like this this will cause, you know, the companies that tr- try to like have a pretty broad based appeal to be a little bit more careful moving forward, careful in quotes about who they put forward. And, yeah. and in that case, they are it's accomplishing risk something. Yeah, Just they are risk accomplishing
0: something. Yeah. And less inclusive. Um, so yes, here's that's a good answer. Here's my second question, which is Not even a question, just more of a comment on how all this works is that it is always interesting to me uh, with the folks over at the Daily Wire and and this whole world of, uh, which I guess on the left we're sort of in, right? Like, because even though Trump's lawsuit mischaracterizes Midas Touch as a super PAC, it's not. It's a a media network. Um, Everybody has their own constituency, right? So, like, Matt Walsh can look. Like he's really just a crusader for, for virtue or whatever. When he's like, I don't care about Republican donors. Yeah, of right. course you don't care about Republican donors. You care about viewers. Like you have your own constituency, right? You have your own right. version of voters. And, and Ben Shapiro is the exact same way, right? Like he can go out and say what he does and does not care about because just as. We saw in all those text messages in the dominion discovery uh that you know tucker carlson and all of them they're all concerned about losing their audience that's what matt right. walsh is concerned about so matt walsh is not being a leader he's catering to and pandering to his audience and telling them how powerful they are right uh, it's no different than josh Hawley getting on the phone to some big corporate donor and talking about how wonderful they are—it's the exact same deal. Everybody has somebody buttering their bread.
1: Yeah, and the listeners at home won't won't see what we see on the video, but the whole optics of this whole studio is fascinating to me. There's a fake backdrop which looks like they're in the mountains, or the Smoky Mountains, or something like. It, and so that's a an interesting contrast at, to at the
0: golden hour. Like it's like yeah, perfectly it's crit- lit. Beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's 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 a fascinating choice because. I think if they're probably if I'm in the Daily Wire marketing meeting, they're probably saying, All right, the studios from New York have the skyline. We're gonna communicate something different. Interesting.
0: He's got on he's got on a flannel, flannel. pearl snap shirt.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's a uh,
0: banjo in the background. My God. Yeah, there's a banjo. There's a
1: banjo in the background. Uh, I mean, this is not subtle. And then there's a children's book which you can't see fully in this video behind him that he wrote, all about a child who thinks they're like I think a walrus or something. Like, and it's basically a metaphor for kids who uh, think they are a woman or think they're a boy when they were you know thought of as differently. Or, you know, so it's like it's a lot going on. In the stagecraft here, mm-hmm. and we should take it very seriously because this is you go to the top ten podcasts in America, and chances are there's gonna be Ben Shapiro, there's gonna be Wallace, there's gonna be Dan Bongino, and a bunch of other lunatics who you may never have heard of, uh, but who have humongous audiences that are bigger than Fox News. And so this is a new fight we have. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're very proud members of the Midas Network, because you look at that top hundred. What are the networks that are ascending the list? It's the podcasts on this network. Like they're mm-hmm. what these what these young lads from Midasland uh, have, you know, this this small contingency of brothers uh, have put together is a really effective and nimble counterweight to a really aggressive aversion uh, propaganda um, network on the right. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, so uh, like and subscribe.
1: <laughs> yeah, like and subscribe. Hit that like button.
0: Spread the word about Majority54.
1: Go out there and put a nice review for us. I think uh, we are going to take some content to YouTube. Where we're going to talk about Ben Shapiro and this uh, Frozen so we, take that he has. So we, I think we're all pretty much done. We'll go grab an Yeah, or We can, we can do for grab an
0: ore here real quick. So um, grab an or, uh I, I referenced Ralph Yarrow um, a few minutes ago uh, and this – terrible shooting uh, here in Kansas City. Um, one of the more inspiring things to come out of this tragedy is that when his family set up a GoFundMe uh, for to cover his medical expenses and that kind of thing, um, it, it has, I mean, people not just in Kansas City, but around the world, because the story's become international, have responded in, in, a, in a really spectacular way. It's in the millions now. Um, and the thing is, like, you know, he's going to have medical expenses. And so, they're going to need to be covered. Um, and so I would encourage people to go to GoFundMe and find Ralph Jarls, GoFundMe. Um, the link, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. We put it on the screen here a second ago. Um, but, you know, it's one of those links where it's like there's letters and numbers. So I'm not going to just give it to you. You can go to GoFundMe and, and, and search for it as well. Or you can look in the show notes uh, in the audio version here um, and find it. But I would encourage people uh, to do that. Um, so one for us, Robbie, what's new with you?
1: Well, I'm heading to California on Friday for a wedding between two people I introduced, actually, two people in politics. Mm. Uh, Emily, shout out to Emily Abrams and Hari Sivugan. And uh, I'm going out to Monterey, California for that. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to see a lot of like old guard Obama people, which will be really fun. And then I'm going to be hanging around California that area of California for a week because then I'm gonna surf Kelly Slater's wave pool. It's like an artificial wave <laughs> on my birthday, on my actual 40th birthday, uh, which is a wave that's created by a train. I did it last year. I'm doing it. Oh again this yeah, year. I remember this. It'll be fun. So if you're listening and you have ideas, I don't know what I'm gonna do in that interim period. I'm flying into Monterey. I have to be somewhere in like the Central Valley area. Uh, like five days later, if you got good ideas of towns I should check out that are off the beaten path in that area of California or in that vicinity, shoot me a DM on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at Ravi M. Gupta. But what's happening in your world, Jason? Uh, I feel like, you know, I got so
0: many supportive messages from folks two weeks ago when I talked about all the back pain I was having. I feel like I should give an update, uh, mm. which I don't want this to become like the one for us becomes Jason updates on his I'm getting older aches and pains. Look, we're going to solve so these I'll- issues. Yeah, but I'll, I'll. I but I do feel people have been so generous in sending me so many messages about this. I, I feel like I should close the loop on it a little bit. Which is I'm doing much better. Um, things got bad enough that uh, and and I've been offered this by doctors in the past, but I finally decided to try it. Which is um, I I did a, a steroid epidural. I got an MRI and then did steroid epidural, and that was Friday. Uh, it's Wednesday right fun. now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was that was what I was going to say. Is that if if you're listening to this and you're ever wondering whether you should do it like i was nervous about it because it's a needle like in your spine uh it was not bad at all like mm -hmm. it was I, i was like ready and like now i never saw the needle which probably helped but um but you know i laid there and he i felt like a little something and then i was like he goes okay we're done and i was like what and uh and and i you know i still have a few days for the steroid and they just take the steroid they just shoot it right into the section that's inflamed and i i am still in a fair amount of pain but here's the the thing i i am now at like 90 or 95 percent mobility which is huge because like i can deal with it hurting but what i can't deal with is like not being able to move the way i want so now i'm like back to exercising and it's gradually getting i think you know i expect my baseball games start in three weeks i expect to play um and so that's awesome so i just wanted to say here like thank you to the to the folks at, at ku medical center but most of all modern medicine man wow like incredible like it's i mean it was so bad last week and it is so not bad right now and that's uh, awesome man yeah well, i'm so grateful i'm still waking up in the morning like grateful that it doesn't hurt so bad and that i can move that's around.
1: the thing about these kind of pains it's like you you take for granted just like the baseline of being healthy and how mm-hmm. excited you are to be healthy it's something to think about uh All right. Well, I think that's it for us, right? Yeah. Here,
0: I'll close it out. Uh, Like we said, remember to subscribe to Majority 54 wherever you listen to audio podcasts. Just search Majority 54. Please leave a five-star review. Oh, you know what? There was one other thing I wanted to update everybody on, and maybe we'll play it a little next week, Uh, is last week I talked about Diana was going to do stand-up for the first time. um, And she did, and she crushed. And so uh, anybody who's interested, you can go to her Instagram. Uh, I also linked it, you know, on mine but like go just go to at Diana Kander on Instagram and you can watch her five minutes and it was fantastic like I've got so many people message me and be like I can't believe that was her first time like Al Franken was like she's really good she could do this which she was like screenshot that text for me please um so anyway uh I'm very proud of her it was very cool so anybody who's curious go check that out anyway thank you to the Midas Mighty and remember we all have a platform make sure to you use yours today